you know, we've talked a lot about this in between media this season. There's going to be curveballs coming your way. Hate's a strong word. I dislike Kirk Cousins more than probably any other quarterback. In the I get a little bit of that rookie-itis, you know? I would have said, I would love to know what you're Even though I'm straight, I'm still stuck between an interpretation, what it all means. Can I make a difference for something different? My mind in prison, then I saw the vision. Played the field, it's no competition. Found success through the repetition. If it's impossible, stick to the mission. I'm just cruising through on my way to get it. I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in, everyone. It is Tuesday, January 18th, making our way through the NFL postseason, the in-between fantasy football family. Back with you. I'm Seth Wolcock, joined by one of my normal hosts, Scott Reinier, holding it down out in Seattle. And we got our analyst, our ranker, our columnist, Dave Fantasy, joining us today as well. Guys, we got a super special show for you, all wrapped up. Um, it's been a great weekend of football, uh, hopefully a great weekend of life for everyone as well. We're going to do our rankings debrief later on in the show. We're going to tell you where we are right, where we are wrong. A lot of lessons learned from this year. I'm happy to have Dave on for that. We're also going to break down the fantasy winners and losers from this past weekend because believe it or not, we talked about it just last week. There are winners and losers uh, every playoff game as well. You might not be playing. There might not be leagues going on. Or you might have you know some leagues going on, but either way, guys, we're gonna break it all down. Scott, Dave, how are you guys? Did you have a successful first playoff weekend? Overall, yeah, I think that uh, it was a pretty good weekend. You know, it's, the games. We'll talk about that. The games left a little bit to be desired, but yeah. But all in all, yeah, it was a great weekend. There were a lot of fantasy performances that I enjoyed seeing. You know, really already fun to go through twitter and see the panic meter oh yeah or or the you know hype meter moving on on these guys go, you know, baby. obviously we're gonna get into that but it's it's a lot of fun to see all the everybody's reactions just reading all the tweets and stuff reacting to week one of the playoffs about super wild card <laughs> yeah even though i knew what the schedule was i was still just like wait there's three games today and a game tomorrow yeah on sunday yeah. i was just like wow but, you know, like Dave said, you could put quotes around some of the word games. Um, but you know what? People have talked about it uh, all season when there's been like a crappy slate on a Thursday night or a Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we were all screaming for games over the offseason. Like I'd watch any football. And then as soon as we get some, we, we sure. complain at the first bad yeah. game. However, yeah. I was expecting a little bit more in the playoffs. I don't think the expanded two more teams experiment. Looks fantastic in its quite, quite yeah. I mean, it's it's the first year though. Like, it, it take the NCAA tournament though. They, how many years did they have to play that to get a sixteen knocking off a one or a fifteen knocking off? No, it's true. So I agree with you though. I talked about that earlier with Katie as well. But no, hundred percent agree with you guys. I, I will say though, I feel like already there's a lot of fantasy fever out there right now. Like. 
people are starting to set their takes for next year. So we're going to discuss that today as well. W- what were your overall thoughts on this game, guys? Because like I'm kind of cooped up inside right now. The East Coast got blasted with a snowstorm over the, the weekend. So I've been doing nothing but kind of watching back these games, looking at some of the in-depth analysis of it. It wasn't really a super wild card weekend to me. It was more like a kind of a sleeping wild card weekend, if you would. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, snoozeworthy, <laughs> I think, was the term that you might have used earlier. Which yeah. Was, yeah, I thought that was well put. Uh, in fact, I did sleep a little bit in into the beginning of the the Raiders and Bengals game and missed some of the first quarter. So I missed some of, like, I think that, that was the one good game. game, too. Yeah. I know. A... And I missed, like, and I missed <laughs> arguably the best part of it, apparently. Yeah. But I'm still confused yeah. by the Phantom Whistle thing. So let's... Yeah. There just wasn't a lot to watch. There were yeah. the Raiders game, Raiders Bengals and the Cowboys Niners, you know, kind of technically came down to the last drive, but those games never really felt all that much in question, you know. Right. Even the close ones. Yeah, I wasn't I'm I'm not necessarily able to watch all of each game each weekend these days. You know, just with family and all that kind of stuff. Hashtag dad life is what you're saying, Scott. What's the yeah, sure. Sure. Not that I don't want. Not that I don't want to. I'm judging myself here. Not any. I'm judging myself here. Not anybody else. Um, No, but the only game I really missed was the Eagles game. So, oh well. I will say though, like once I saw the stat go up about the the Bills going for that the record of never punting, never kicking a field goal. Once I saw that, I was like, oh my god. So I mean, that was like witnessing history, even though it was a blowout and not a very good game it was still something to root best, for but. best cold weather performance i've ever seen out of that was ridiculous game. josh allen <laughs> is a different cat you guys let's go ahead and run down through the slate for those of you who missed it saturday the Bengals they hold off the raiders for a minute man it looked like the raiders were going to come back once again 26 to 19 for the Bengals. the first playoff win for them in over 30 years congratulations to joe burrow zach taylor and that bunch well done this season already Buffalo beat down on the Patriots, cold weather performance, wind chill below zero, 47 to 17, easy money for Josh Allen and the Bulls. And then Sunday, Buccaneers beat down on the Eagles. Not a huge surprise, but 31 to 15. Jalen Hurt struggled a little bit in his, his first playoff appearance as well as kind of the whole Eagles team didn't really show up on this one. Hats off to the Bucks who got it done without Lenny Fournette over there as well. And then Cowboys Niners, man. Cowboys choked this one away at home. The whiteout did not work for the boys. And now we're back to the you know same narrative. Is Dak worth money they paid him? Who knows? But hats off to Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan, and their gang. They got it done. And a controversial play to end it once again for the Cowboys in the playoffs, guys. And then cap it off, Steelers Chiefs Sunday night. Didn't really go the way we wanted, Dave, as Steelers fans. First quarter, man, there was some hope. TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, they got it done for us. But Big Ben, I really – we'll talk about this later. But Deontay Johnson, man, he's back on the shit list for 2022 uh, early. A couple of big drops from him. And then Monday night, I think the better team won, guys. Rams over Arizona, 34-11. to Matthew Stafford, first playoff win for him. Yeah, way way to go, uh, Stafford. Yeah, yeah. No, that was great to see. It was still uh, even that was another one where I knew that stat. I knew he had never won a playoff game, but I was still just yeah. like, really? It's never. Oh, that's right, because the team he played for. I mean, my favorite part I think was the Bengals getting the win. 
it just as somebody my team wasn't in, you know, Seahawks were eliminated yeah. a while back. So, you know, I, I really wanted to see that happen. I think I tweeted about it, like watching the pregame, watching that stadium. It really reminded me of the feeling I had in 2005 as a Seahawks fan when they made the push to the Super Bowl. During the playoffs, it was just like this unknown feeling to me. You know, yeah. I had never really experienced it. They made the playoffs once, like in the 90s or something. It was just this, it was this energy I had never experienced. And I could kind of sense that because there's quite a few fans in Cincinnati who were not alive. Even um, even on TV, you could just feel it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. it was cool. It was really cool. Yeah. So good, for, good for them and good for their fan base. Can we talk about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase as well? Because I think right now, maybe aside from Stafford and Cup, they have the best connection in the league on each other i mean it seems like he's throwing the ball before jamar chase is turning around looking for it the trust is unreal they don't care if they throw an interception or two i mean it is unbelievable yeah and he's just got that i love it he's got that swagger he's got that attitude and confidence that he's built yeah you know and i think it really like it really stems a lot from for one the team they have the end of the season they had and, you know, I mean, coming back from the injury like he did to play like he did, you know, tail end of this season, that's got to be such a confidence booster for a, for a young quarterback. Um, like I saw an interview with him and he, they were just talking about how it was the first win, playoff win and forever and all this stuff. He's like, that's great. We're really happy for that for our fans. But this is this is how it's going to be now, everyone. Mm-hmm. This is us now. Like he's like he's taking on that leadership role. I love it. I love it. Yeah, me too. In fact, I wrote in my notes, this is just how I wrote it down. Joe Burrow is that dude. Yeah, yeah. He, he just is, you know, he's exactly yeah. what they wanted him to be when they drafted him with the top overall pick, you know, he's lifting that organization with his excellent play, especially down the stretch, you know, he lifted one of my fantasy teams with some of his excellent play down yeah. the stretch too, as well. Yeah. So personal thank you, you to Joe Burrow. Lit up, uh, up some DFS lineups as well. Connor and I yes. were on the spot Saturday morning hyping it up, and it, it came through. Um, yeah, I mean, j- just the swagger of this kid, bro. Like it is different. It is different. Like he reminds me of someone like around my age that I just like want to be around, and like I'd go out and play for. And I, I, I think his team wants to play for him. Um, Zach Taylor's obviously done a very good job organizing this team. The defense, the defense is really solid. That D line is excellent. Hopefully they get a couple of the starters that went down, um, to injury earlier on in this game. Um, the other big takeaway for me, I know we don't talk a lot of IDP fantasy football on the show, but if you're playing IDP fantasy football out there, I mean, man, TJ Watt is a different cat. Like I think he's a top 10 player just in the league, not fantasy related, but just in the league. Dude is a difference maker. Dude, the Watt, yeah. the, Watt, the Watt brothers, the Bosa brothers, man, like they knock heads. Like TJ Watt, he's he's so fun to watch. Um, I just I love those I love those defensive players that you know you see you see a you'll see a, a defensive back make a great player you'll, you'll see a sack. But I just like I like tracking the dudes that are just everywhere. Um, like on the Seahawks, it's Bobby Wagner. I'll just like when they're yeah. on defense, I'll just yeah. focus in on Bobby Wagner. I'll be like, wait, he didn't make the tackle, but how how was he even involved in that play? He was way over here. I don't know a lot about defense. I don't know a lot about IDP. I did my first season of IDP this year, but he is TJ. He's a he's a he's a difference maker. He's a you know defensive player of the year perennial candidate. Yeah, we got our boy Steel Henderson in the chat. Top three, baby. Top three, Steel saying. I mean, yeah, nice. the, the Steelers aren't in the playoffs without TJ Watt. He, hats off to him on a yeah, spectacular no season. Um, 
Dave, any final thoughts here as we close the chapter on Big Ben Roethlisberger? Um, you know, I don't want to get into it. There's a lot of different opinions on him on Twitter, sure. and but but overall, like like, what are your final thoughts here on, on this chapter, man? It's the end of an era for us. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, Ben's walking away. He's a, a dude of let's just say questionable moral character, and, and then we don't have to really get into it. Yeah, but uh, his accomplishments on the field for the Steelers organization are pretty much without argument, you know, I mean, he's the, the most influential and most important passer in the, in the club's mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody's saying he's the first ballot hall of famer. And I, I tend to agree. And, you know, it, it, it is, it's the end of an era. It's exactly what you're saying. So whoever's the next quarterback to uh, just not me. The Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> just, well, he's got big shoes to yeah. fill. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that's just what I was going to say. You know, it's, a, it's a tough spot to walk into, you know, and there's and I will a say lot of possibility. I think Ben really set the mold for what some of these quarterbacks, these big guys, the Joe Burrow, the Carson Wentz's, what they can become in their later years. Ben stuck around a lot longer than people thought, um, right. longer than Eli, longer than Phil Rivers in that same draft class because he started getting the ball out early. I mean, it wasn't super effective because receivers can't catch the damn ball, Deontay Johnson. But overall, I, I think Ben really kind of defined what a quarterback like him can be in his later years. So hats off to him, man. Yeah, for sure. Guys, I do want to move forward here in the show to Headline Hijinks today, presented by our friends at Stevens Quality Barbering Services. IBT fam, listen, I've been telling you all season long, we've been telling you, if you want to look like this, maybe not like this in particularly, but you want the haircut of a gentleman you want to walk in somewhere own that room in the new year head to steven's quality barbering services in kerwinsville pa guys noah's going to get you hooked up whether you live in western pa eastern pa you're going to go there you're going to have a phenomenal time at steven's quality barbering services quality haircut a quality price quality conversation and just an overall quality experience get to noah get to him stevens-quality.gembook.com book your appointment get in there slide in that chair slide out looking like a gentleman and guys let's move on forward to headline hijinks (laughs) as always we had some fantasy winners fantasy losers from the week the playoff variety i think it's meaningful though because with the game on the line, the season on the line, players either performed and showed up or they didn't. Sometimes due to their own doing or sometimes it's just the game plan. So, Scott, I want to start off with you, man. Who was your biggest winner from this past week? What is your headline? My headline is Super Cam, and I'm not talking about Cam Newton. So, I mean, it's it's a little bit of low-hanging fruit for winners. Everybody was all over this, but Cam Akers coming back so quickly after a torn Achilles, so much, you know, so much hype and promise as when that injury occurred. And then the inevitable narrative that no one can ever come, no running back can ever come back from one. A lot of broken hearts for Cam Akers fans out there, but he ends up coming back. I still was like, oh, he's, he's not going to play. And then he played, you know, he played in, he played in the last week of the season. I think he got like five carries and then he played, he played last night. He didn't set the world on fire. He had close to hundred total yards. Um, a lot of that on one catch for 40, but he did not look necessarily worse for the wear. 
He looked good. Um, oh, yeah. And I just think, for one, he's a winner. For two, I think it's a winner just showing that for whatever reason, maybe the sample size was too small. Maybe modern tech, modern medicine has made it, you know, a quicker recovery, similar to an ACL tear. But, you know, it's not the death nail it used to be, a torn Achilles, apparently. We'll see. This was just, this is just a couple games. We have some playoff games left and we have next season. But the reason I think he's a winner also, I mean, the value has gone a little bit on the overcorrected side. You know, I saw a few polls today, Jonathan Taylor or Cam Akers in Dynasty, and it wasn't 100% Jonathan Taylor. That tells me it's gone a little too far. Yeah. But, um, but I think he's set up for crazy success in that system. I mean, the one thing the Rams has shown is running backs. I mean, similar to the 49ers, the running back who is leading the charge for the Rams produces fantasy points. And you might think, well, what about Sonny Michelle? What about Daryl Henderson? Well, here's, here's my take on that. When Daryl Henderson was healthy to start the season, basically all the way up until week 12, after that he got he missed a few games, his running back rush share in that offense was 71%. You know, Sonny Michelle wasn't quite acclimated at the start of the season, but Sonny Michelle was there for a lot of that, 71%. Then Henderson gets hurt. Michelle comes in and takes over for the rest of the season. Big, big, big end of the season. 90% running back yeah. rush share. McVay does not use a committee. He does not use a committee as much as people might think just because he has name value, multiple name value running backs in his system. So I think the best running back is going to lead this backfield next season. And I think that's Cam Akers. So I'm not worried about what they do with either of the other two running backs, to be honest. Sony is um, a UFA. Sony is a UFA. So I don't think he'll be back. They're not going to be, he, he just went out and got himself a bag somewhere. Someone's going to pay out for him. So he's probably, yeah, and I mean, probably gone. And I, I don't I don't hate on Daryl Henderson as much as some people do. I mean, I don't think he's going to necessarily take a bunch of valuable touches away from from um, from Cam Akers next season if Sony Michelle's gone. But Henderson held his own for the first twelve weeks of the season. Uh, I mean, he was a he was a very very consistent RB two over that time frame. The injuries are the big issue yeah. I think, with Henderson. Um, as I was a Henderson truther for the first couple of seasons, I was I was hot on Henderson and. Um, about halfway through 2020, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, you see a difference. You see a difference with a guy like Cam Akers than Daryl Henderson. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we'll continue to see that. Dave, what is your headline here for your winners of Super Wildcard Weekend? My headline is Debo to the moon. I mean, Debo Samuel taken off this weekend. Yeah. Uh, not you know, not the first time he's done it, obviously. I mean, the, the value of this guy this entire season based on where he was going in drafts, you know, the, the return. One of the most valuable picks, yeah. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, absolutely incredible. He's given you value at the running back spot and at the wide receiver spot, you know. Uh, yeah. Just being used in so many ways. The Like one of the most versatile players in the NFL in a season where there were several of them, guys like Porter. Cordero Patterson, et cetera, you know, but a lot of guys being used in, in multiple ways, in unique ways, but Debo and his dynasty value has taken off. So it's too late to get this guy cheap. If you want him, you're going to have to pay in your dynasty leagues. So I saw a trade over this off season and Debo got moved during our, our rookie draft for, I think like the two Oh four, maybe. And I, the, it ended up going to uh, Kadarius Tony. So like Kadarius Tony got moved for Debo Samuel in the off season. It's just like 
that's where his value was though. Like that wasn't a bad trade at the time, but crazy to see that now. Um, I even saw one of Cam Akers a couple weeks ago too. While we're on the topic, like Cam Akers went for it. Like it was like a third round pick or something like, you know, a third round pick and maybe uh, a running back that was used then like Dante Foreman who might not have a huge future, but it is absolutely crazy. But I, I agree with you here, Dave. Debo Samuel has absolutely transformed the position here in 2021. And I think really teams are looking at him across the league and saying, how can we get someone to play that role? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's what, it's what everyone always wanted Percy Harvin to be, but he could mm-hmm. never be. They're already talking about draft prospects in this draft that are the quote unquote next Debo Samuel, you know, I mean, have we ever, have we ever seen a player this effectively do this, like play the running back and wide receiver position, before, you know, Cordell Patterson's the closest person I can remember to it. I mean, Scott's comparison was pretty good, too. I mean, the way that they wanted Percy Arvin to work, mm-hmm. the way yeah. that he was used, particularly during his time in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I mean, I I really don't, I don't think so, because the thing about Debo Samuel is he can take over the game in either facet. Yeah. Like, until he started getting a lot of carries before that happened, he was getting targets after target after target. Mm. I mean, that's how that's partially how he still accumulated 1,400 receiving yards, even though it <laughs> seems like for, like, five games there, he was getting, like, two targets a game, getting mm. all runs. He still had 1,400 receiving yards. So, I mean, you know, he, he just – he's one of those guys that it's just a home run waiting to happen every single play, like the touchdown run he had in the playoff game. I mean, it was an excellently run play some really good blocking by the, by the Niners line, but it's just, he just, he has that, he has that ability. Yeah. To have it out of the backfield and to have, I mean, I, I posted it today. I couldn't, I still can't believe it. He led the league in yards per reception, led the NFL. And yeah. his, his average depth of target is eight and a half yards, which it's is all yak. It's all yak. So it's all yak, but it's just, it, it's still just like, so he, he basically, I think I wrote about this in a Monday's in Monday's column. He's basically a wide receiver in a wide receiver premium scoring format of his own. It's two points banked every catch. You know what I mean? Like no matter what, because his his yak is close to ten. I, I he's just he's unreal. I think the other takeaway here too is for next season, outside of Elijah Mitchell and Debo, there's not a running back that's going to hold value unless Elijah Mitchell or Debo get hurt because Debo is the RB two. He is the you know he he takes that RB two value. That someone like in previous years, we've seen them running committee. And now the committee is Elijah Mitchell or whoever the starter is and Debo. So, you know, like I wouldn't recommend taking a shot on Jeff Wilson unless you're in a deeper league handcuffing next season. So just just a thought, you know, Niners running backs are always kind of a hot commodity here towards the towards the start of the new year. Guys, my headline here is I'm throwing it out to one of my favorite movies, Wild Hogs, baby starring Josh Allen instead of Tim Allen. I should have made a graphic for this. Guys, have you have, have you guys seen this movie? Have you seen Wild Hogs at all? I have not. No, I haven't. Oh, what? Uh, really? I know. I actually, uh, I'm, I shouldn't even be saying this because my favorite comedians, the Sklar Brothers, are in it. And so they'd be oh. disappointed if they knew that I haven't even watched the movie. Yeah, I don't necessarily have any kind of particular reason. I just haven't seen it. Are you guys fans of Tim Allen at all? Not really. Okay. Maybe that maybe that's like my, my generation. We're big Tim Allen folks. I'm not a huge fan of Tim Allen in I, I was a big fan of Tool, you know, Tool Time, is that what it was called? The Home Improvement, sorry. 
Tool Time. Yeah. That was his TV show within yeah, the TV show. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked that show as a kid, but like I was never a huge fan of Tim Allen. Okay. It's just my own, okay. my own deal. Steel here on Facebook, he says, I'm definitely the guy in this movie that has the Apple logo tattoo. One of the guys just has like the Apple logo tattoos. Like a, I think his name's Dudley. He, he's kind of like the nerdy guy um, <laughs> in the group. But I'm a biker, dude. I got a tattoo. It's an Apple. <laughs> uh, Dudley, you know, um, I know. Trademarked. But what are they going to say? It's in my skin, bitch. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, um, man. If you lifted up your shirt right now and showed us an Apple logo oh, tattoo, I, be... I wish. That'd be. I would make, wrap the apple. I'd wrap my take. <laughs> so, so guys, uh, really, my, my takeaway from this is Josh Allen is absolutely in the conversation for the best quarterback in the league from what we've seen this season once again, from what we saw. I mean, that one throw where he was going out of bounds was absolutely the dirtiest throw I've seen. It's crazy. Season. I, I couldn't believe it. Dawson Knox is a hell of a guy as well, but – are you guys considering Josh Allen as QB one next season for fantasy? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, not considering he's, I mean, you know, I, you know I'm going to, for me right now, you know, I mean, yeah. like, that's, he was my, he was my quarterback one this year. So yeah, I mean, yeah he was our, our, our consensus. We're going to talk about it, but he was our consensus QB one as well. well. That's, that's two straight seasons. He's finished as the QB one. So, I mean, yeah. You know, for fantasy purposes, I mean, I think at some point you have to start considering that person. Dynasty is a different, a different story, but in redraft, oh yeah, I'm, I'm considering. Mean, he just he has he has a higher he has a higher rushing ceiling. Yeah, I guess floor, whatever, however you want to look at it. Yeah, but they, you know, and they they pass. They're one of the most pass heavy teams in the entire league. So you can talk about sample sizes all day. Oh, it's only two years. It's like yeah, now it's two years, two consecutive years. Of him being the number right. one overall QB, so like, I mean, I, I I don't necessarily think it's just a slam dunk. Yep, it's him over Mahomes, but it's definitely not there's a no slam gap. dunk in the other direction anymore. Yeah, there's no gap. There's no no. Gap no. I yeah. I mean, with, with Josh you. Allen, he he turned a franchise around. Like the Chiefs were relevant before Patrick Mahomes. So I'm getting on. I mean. I, I'm late to that bandwagon, but I, I'm hanging on, man. I I think he's going to be relevant for the next few years. We talked about it last week on the podcast. He, the Bills were my pick to go to the Super Bowl this season out of the AFC. He's got he's got to step up this week against Mahomes. That that is the AFC Championship to me right now here in the oh, divisional round. Be beautiful. That game's going to be beautiful to watch. I've got high hopes. I hope. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I didn't want to. Uh, drag it on when everybody was talking about how how much the game stunk this week but that's that's wild card weekend every year you know the it's wild true. card game, just two more wild card yeah. game just doesn't deliver i mean it doesn't they don't deliver like the, the divisional playoffs which Not is always. what we've got coming yeah. up this week and this is my this is my absolute favorite playoff weekend of the oh, yeah. year oh yeah divisional playoffs you got you know we still got four games mm -hmm. uh four teams in, in either conference and but, but we're cutting it down to the best of the best. You know, we're going to see games that should be competitive, should be a good watch. Oh, this one the fans get riled up too. Like they're riled up for wild card weekend, but divisional round, championship round, those fans are rowdy, ready to go. These stadiums are going to be rocking. I'm excited. I'm excited to see it, man. Um, no two better places, I think, in the AFC to host these games than Arrowhead and Music City as well. That's awesome to have have a game back in Tennessee. So 
I'm really looking forward to these games. Before we totally foreshadow a, a little more on next week and recap this season, let's talk about some losers from this weekend. And I, I'll start here with my loser headline, and it's damn CD Lamb. Man, I mean, not the season we were expecting from CD Lamb, or at least a lot of us. We can talk about it a little bit here later on. I think I was the lowest of the three of us coming into the season on CD Lamb. I remember having a conversation with Dave actually about CD Lamb, and I know I know Scott, you were very profound too. But like, and for the right reasons, like the, the arguments were there. But I mean, man, the disappointment for CD Lamb continues here in the Wild Card Weekend. One reception, twenty-one yards for this talented round one receiver prospect from just a year ago. Finishes uh, a season on a very disappointing note after uh, he was a wide receiver 48 over the last month, guys, of the season finishing off. He lost people championships. And then to continue it here in the playoffs, like I I asked it on Twitter a, a little bit earlier. No one really seemed to, to, to get on board. But is CeeDee Lamb, even without Michael Gallup, the third receiving option in this passing game for Dallas next season? behind Amari Cooper and Dalton Schultz, because that's what it's looked like over the back half of the season and in wildcard weekend. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to stand my ground with C.D. Lamb a little bit. It was – you can't argue. And, I mean, again, it's it's hard to shift between redraft and dynasty. You can't argue with what happened. Like, you know, it was partially – you know, Dak Prescott wasn't – producing the fantasy performance you were expecting out of Dak Prescott either. And then in this last game, it's like the Cedric Wilson target show. And it's like, wait, what's going on here? So I don't really know what's happening. I think just like talent wise, I'm still betting on CeeDee Lamb. I'm still betting that, you know, I mean, Schultz and, and Cooper are going to be right there. But after those two, there's no way I'm putting anybody else ahead of CeeDee Lamb. Cedric Wilson has been way more productive over this, this time. I'm though, still man. not. I'm still not putting him ahead of CD Lamb. I know you can't put him ahead of him, but like it's going to depend what these ADP shake out too. But I, I honestly bet CD Lamb still a fourth round pick next year. Like maybe you know mid to back half of the fourth round. But I, I don't know. He's gonna man. he's gonna be a really interesting player to watch the ADPs and redraft because if, there is still going to be people like me who are like, oh no no, he's gonna. This is the year. I'll take and Cedric like, Wilson. I'll take Cedric Wilson for an eighth or ninth round pick. I don't like it, it, it. You know, this all presuming Michael Gallup moves on and Dalton Schultz is coming back because Dalton Schultz is also a free agent as well. So he could go get a bag too. But I think Dallas is more inclined to pay him than anyone else here on the. Yeah, offense. I just I think like, and this is not necessarily a fair comparison, but I don't I don't want to be the person that gave up on Devonte Adams because he had a rough couple year start to his to his career. Yeah, I mean, CD Lamb's got that kind of talent. That's that's all I'm saying. I'll end it with this. I think if if he's going to be successful, I think at the end of the day, he needs a better coach. Mike McCarthy is only going to get them so far. I think it's Kellen Moore. I think Kellen Moore is probably they need to promote him to head coach. They need to promote Mike McCarthy to like some executive level. You know, I don't want to see his life ruined or anything like that because I think he is a talented person to have on your staff, but I don't think he's a head coach at this point. D- Dave, right. Dave, so you're, you're with me as well. You think promote Kellen Moore here to head coach? Cause they're going to, they don't want to lose both him and Dan Quinn. I've been thinking, you know, for a little while that Kellen Moore is the likely next coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And if he's, you know, if Dallas doesn't jump on it, he's going to 
go be the coach of somebody else. You know, I mean, uh, you see that tweet from the Broncos that Adam Schefter retweeted today yeah. that they're in Dallas looking on their head coaching search. Yeah, you know, you, they're they're that's who they're talking to. You know, they're they're interviewing Kellen Moore, and uh, you know, he's going to get a job somewhere. So I think if the Cowboys yeah. want to keep him and keep kind of this offense together, you know, at least what they've got going, that's what they need to do. Or, you know, if they're going to blow it all up, then who cares who the next coach is, I guess, yeah. you know, I mean, you're going to start all over. But. They can't blow it up, though. Dak's under of contract, Amari's under contract, not. Zeke's under contract. Zeke's under a ridiculous contract. Yeah, yeah that's what's hurting them, really, at the end of the day, too. Not, not a lot of people are talking about that, but Zeke's been pretty awful this back half of the season. But let's move on from the Cowboys, though. We'll talk a lot about them over the offseason. Dave, what is your loser headline for us here, man? My loser headline for you is, where have all the Steelers gone? It's supposed to be a play on the, what is that, Simon and Garfunkel? Where have all the flowers <laughs> gone? Okay. Because yeah, uh, they disappeared offensively from this game. You know, I mean, if you, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Oh, thank you, Kyle. Kyle saves my guts there. Uh Simon and Garfunkel. See, I got my old folk singers mixed up. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Steelers were not were not there for fantasy purposes this this weekend oh. at all. That offense couldn't move the ball. You know, they got a couple of late touchdowns to wide receivers when uh, Deontay caught one. I think James Washington got the other. But for the majority of that game, they just could not move the ball. Najee Harris after coming off. You know, his season's best game was just not able to get it going. And Big Ben in his final game didn't give himself too much of a send-off. You know, I, w- I was not expecting the Steelers to beat the Chiefs at all by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought it was within the realm of possibility. But based on the way that offense looked, it was easy to see that game was going to be over, even though, like you like you pointed out, you know, we could be optimistic through the first quarter and then the TJ Watt touchdown, but that, with no yeah. offense, there was no winning against. I think if Deontay Johnson catches a couple of those first down passes in the first down or in the first quarter, it's a different different game. Deontay Johnson really let the team down, and with Juju Smith Schuster back, I expected to see more of him. That first reception Juju got in the first quarter, he he stretches out, he gets that first down. I don't know. I don't want to get into it at this point, but but I I, I agree, man. I, I'm I'm out on Deontay Johnson. I, I I was out on him this season. I mean, for fantasy purposes, he might be okay moving forward. Chase Claypool took a step down this season as well, and then not Najee Harris, man, burned a lot of people in a lot of playoff fantasy, a lot of DFS uh, plays here last week. So I'm disappointed, man. I'm with you, Dave. I. The defense gave her hell, man, but they were so tired by the end of the first quarter they were on, on the field so much. Scott, yeah. any final thoughts on the Steelers here? I, All right, so um, – I just like – I, I want to move on. I'm, I'm so distraught thinking Yeah, about no, it. I get it. I get it. You guys are both <laughs> Steelers fans. So I am not going to let Deontay Johnson's performance in this game affect me too much. I'm a big Deontay Johnson fan, and in points per game, he was the wide receiver eight this year. Okay. Well above expectation. I'm going to say, Scott, I'm going to say, I don't know how often you, like, you often tune into Steeler games, but, like, that's where I struggle a little bit sometimes, because, like, Dave, you, you probably see it often, like, 
he doesn't make a lot of these routine catches that I'm used to Juju or Antonio Brown seeing. So like, I, it's definitely my bias. So you're looking at it. I think Scott's looking at it through the right, right lens is what I'm saying is. Yeah. I'm definitely not as doom and gloom about it as you are. Um, dude, it big moments, man. This guy doesn't step up. Sorry, Scott. Sorry to cut. You oh, off. no, no, you're good. You're I totally get it. I'm the same way with DK Metcalf. I'm lower on him than a lot of people because I yeah. watch Seahawks games and I just, for for the potential that's there for DK, he should be he should be a lot higher than where did he finish? Wide receiver twenty or something? Yeah, yeah twenty. You know what I mean? So I, I totally get the home team lens. I totally get it. And I know I didn't make a point to sit down and watch a ton of Steelers games this year, but I'm look I'm yeah I'm looking at it strict, strictly from I mean he was top four or five in in targets. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna depend a lot on what happens at QB. If Mason Rudolph, in fact, becomes the QB next year, I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do with anybody. But... Watch Steeler games at this point. That yeah, I mean, I'll still, I'll still I'll take Najee. I'll still Please. take Najee because he gets 100 percent of the opportunities. But but I'm just I'm have Najee play quarterback. Oh. <laughs> okay, oh, all, right. all right, I've heard enough, right. Scott. Scott. Give us your loser headline. Let's we gotta get. I, I think I have. I think I have to make a switch to, of my loser headline at the last minute. Because it, re- it was about the Cowboys, and we just talked about the Cowboys. Okay. Bunch. So it was going to be, I don't want to be a Cowboy, baby. Um, but we already talked about the Cowboys. <laughs> so I'm going to just come up with a random, everybody, Jalen Hurts. Um, REM song. Okay, I want to preface this with, I am a Jalen Hurts fan. I think he should be the starter next year. Agreed. I yes. I get the whole like oh it was the defense and the O line it wasn't him winning games like okay you could say that about Mac Jones you could say that about Jimmy Garoppolo you could say that about a ton of quarterbacks um, I think for fantasy purposes he's a great quarterback and I get the discrepancy between fantasy and real life NFL the reason I'm calling him a loser is because it's going to be tough for him to come back with that now added to his portfolio that performance and that loss in the playoffs. I just I think it's going to be tougher for him to maintain and keep the starting job next year. I think he should. Kyle's on on it. Yeah, maybe. I think he should personally. You know, they they switched. They I mean, they had one of the biggest 180s I've ever seen from pass to run yeah. this year. Yeah. I mean, they ended up like 500 plus rushing yeah. attempts on the year. It was insane. Yeah. Led um the led the league if I'm right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just I'm rooting for the guy. You know, that's not a reason for him to start because I'm rooting for him. That's not a reason for you to draft him on your fantasy team because I'm rooting for him to succeed, but I am rooting for him. And I just, I feel like even though it was kind of expected against the bucks, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's still, once it happens, there's a reaction. I always compare it to Trevor Lawrence. It's like everybody knew for months he was going to be the number one quarterback. As soon as he actually got drafted, everybody's like, Oh my God, Trevor Lawrence. It's like, no, we all knew this. It's just that now it actually happened. So yeah. Yeah. I'm just concerned about what it does for, for Jalen Hurts. I think he'll be back. I think he'll be back. I hope I so. They, they need to get him another wide receiver outside of Devonta Smith. Quez Watkins can only do so much. I'm sorry. He's limited. And Jalen Rager don't, does not Don't even belong. say Jalen Rager's name. Yeah, yeah he doesn't belong so. on a football field. I, he, he's, he's only playing strictly due to draft capital at this point. But, yeah. yeah, I think they need to make some improvements there. The offensive line is getting old. I know they were good this season. And I don't know. I don't know. The, the running backs are good, but they're only so good. I wouldn't mind if they did add add another dimension to that. I don't. I think they could use a bruiser. Like 
not Jordan Howard, but like a legit legitimate bruiser. Like there's a Ramondre Stevenson type running back coming out of this draft. I don't know. They, they have a lot of like Gainwell's got potential. Sanders has potential, but you know, they're only going to get so far. Sanders. It's all about his health when he's healthy. Yeah. yeah. He's five yards of carry. He's good. It's just, he can't stay healthy. Guys, let's move forward here to our rankings debrief. Before the season mm. start, Dave and myself, we mm. set out on a epic quest to project project all 32 teams, rank them. Um, it was quite the effort. Days, months, sleepless <laughs> nights went into this. I was very happy with our overall product for our draft guide, our in-between media draft guide. If you didn't get a chance to check out the draft guide, I am sorry. Shame on you. Shame on you. Um, next year we'll be back. We're gonna have some new stuff in it this this next season. So no worries, no harm, no foul. Um, but our, we're gonna break down the rankings, what we took away from it here. Um, this is presented by our rankings debrief. Is presented by Underdog Fantasy. Go over to underdogfantasy.com. Get on the app. You can use the promo code IBT. You're gonna get a hundred percent match deposit up to one hundred dollars. They have best ball. Best ball is back, baby. They got playoff best ball, um, a lot of weekly drafts. They have um, the pick and parlays every week that we do over on the DFS tailgate as well. So presented by Underdog, also presented by Monkey Knife Fight. Um, guys, Monkey Knife Fight, the awesome thing about that, if you're tired of football, if you're tired of, you know, it hasn't been your year winning money, whatever it may be, burnout from the season. Go over to Monkey Knife Fight, get on the NASCAR, get on the college basketball, get on the PGA, man. They they got the multipliers over there, man. They got multipliers that, you know, you can literally put in $5 and win $500. And if you use the promo code IBT, you're going to get 100% instant deposit match up to $100, baby. Good economics at Monkey Knife Fight. Good economics over at Underdog Fantasy as well. Use those promo codes. Get in there. Sign up. This is the time, man. There's no there's no season-long commitments to any of this. It's just having fun, you know, scratching that itch a little bit. So use those promo codes, guys. Thanks to our partners over there at Monkey Knife Fight and Underdog. Let's get into our rankings debrief. All right, guys. So want to talk about rankings. As I said, we launched these in August as part of our draft guide. We hope people were over there helping them with our draft. I think we did overall pretty decent. Um, Dave, what was your biggest takeaway from doing these these rankings and projections for the first time? It's hard, man. I mean, <laughs> geez, it's a lot of work. You yeah. go and I spent a lot of time trying to figure this out, you know, and I had resources such as all of last year's stats and all of the previous year's stats. And I looked at other people who do projections. I looked at what their, you know, what their expectations are. And I wanted to at least fall within the frame of what seemed to make sense, you know, on these things. But I feel like I overprojected everybody by a few points, you know, at least Mm -hmm. a few points, some Mm -hmm. more than a few. Mm -hmm. Uh, I probably would like to play fantasy football in the world with my projections because there's <laughs> more fantasy points in general. So yeah, that yeah, would have been fun. But, uh, but, you know, I, I'm trying to be as realistic as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, it was. I remember when we first started talking about doing rankings for the draft guide, I was about to submit just 
my rankings. And then you're like, no, no, this has to be based on like projections. I was like, oh, damn it. I was just going <laughs> to submit a list of people and be like, oh, they are. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> so, but, you know, we used, um, we used Kyle Yates template. I believe we used that for the projections, which was yep. really, I think a really good tool to start with. Um, it was, it was difficult. Uh, I, I did a lot of research into team tendencies the last few years just to try and get some sort of baseline of what to expect. Cause a lot of it is based on not just like, okay, I think this player is going to do this and this one's going to do this. It's like, I think the team's going to do this and you got to fit all the pieces together. Exactly. You, I, you had some great data. You had some great data, Scott. That was a great starting point looking at what the percentage of runs versus passes were and overall plays as well. That, that was a great start. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I needed some sort of baseline to start with. Cause I've never like Dave, I've never done projections before. I remember I used to look at like weekly projections and I'm like, how is a guy going to score 0.76 touchdowns this week? Now I understand where those numbers come right. from, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just, I built in a few formulas to our spreadsheet just like to see if what I was putting in there was coming anywhere close to what the team has been doing, you know? Um, but I, it, one thing it really taught me is, you know, before I had done any projections, I would often like have a big take on somebody like, this guy's going to eat this week or this guy's going to smash and all this kind of stuff. And like, I might have some irrational thought in my mind of what that meant. But when you're actually sitting down and you have to like put all the beans in the in the bowl until it's full, then y- you can't just give this guy five touchdowns and this guy three touchdowns and this guy seven touchdowns. You know, it's like you've got to have it yeah. fit. One mistake I made, I think, is I did it and then I looked at it where everybody fell out and then I tweaked it to kind of get it where I thought it should be. Yeah. And I don't know if that's really the way you're supposed to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I did it and I was like, oh, wait, that guy's too high. So I like... I was like, all right, well, I'm going to take some yards off him to make it fit. So I have a lot. Of, it's, I'm very excited to dig into it this offseason for, for next year. Agreed. Right. Agreed. We're going to do it better, even yeah. better yeah. than before. Yeah. yeah. G- guys, where did you feel like you did personally well in theory? Not specific players talking about hits or misses. Because I feel like overall we did very well at the quarterback position. We hit Josh Allen as our QB1 overall. Um I, I was within I didn't I didn't look at your guys' point totals, but I was within one point of Josh Allen's total points Oof. for the year. So I was happy about that. Dave, I believe you were within a point of Justin Herbert, if I'm right of that. Within one point of Justin Herbert's yes. total projection. Yeah. And we, we had Justin Herbert, I think, as our QB five or six overall, which was much higher than the industry standard. Um I had Mahomes as our as my QB four. I, I think maybe you guys were around QB two or three on that as well. Um, but we were a little lower on him than consensus. And I I think you know Josh Allen. They proved that. Prove why. I, I personally hit on ten of the top twelve QBs. Only ones I had in there that didn't finish were Lamar and Russell Wilson, which I think are both surprises to us. Lamar Lamar's more due to injury. Russell Wilson, you know, combination of poor play and injury. Dave. Any other thoughts of, of of where you think we as a whole theoretically did well or personally? Well, I mean, I think you're right that it, as a group that, you know, we did pretty well with the quarterbacks. And, you know, pers- personally, that was my strength. I had a lot of trouble with every other position, I think, yeah. is, is more the accurate way to say it. But I did have Josh Allen as my number one. I know we had him as the consensus one, but I think yeah. I was the only one of us to have him yeah. as my individual number one. 
and I was within one point of Justin Herbert. I was within one point of Taysom Hill too. Interestingly enough, that's crazy. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. My lottery ticket. I just thought that was wild. I'm like, that's crazy. That close, but uh, I was way off. I have a couple that I was way off on. I was way off on Daniel Jones. I actually had him finishing as QB one this year as the overall QB eleven. So oh. I had him way too high. I do remember you really high on Danny, yeah. I thought that Kenny Galladay was going to make things change and, and that it never materialized. And I was a little too high on T-Law. I knew his situation was going to yeah. be tough, yeah. but I still had him as oh, a I, solid I, QB2 play, and he was really more in near the yeah. back end of QB2. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, overall here in theory, man, anything you specifically think that we or you did well on? I got, as far as points per game, I got Tyler Lockett exactly right at wide receiver 17. Okay, nice. Other than that, not nice. not, not really. <laughs> no, um, you know, that's kind of the thing I think I wrote in the show, the show sheet, especially with wide receivers. I think I, I kind of like, I follow the consensus a little too yeah. much on things. Agreed. I just, it's easy to say that in hindsight. It's easy to say, what the hell did I have Allen Robinson so high for? But everybody had Allen Robinson high. We didn't know this was going to happen. But I was way too low on Jamar Chase. I'm embarrassed to even say where I had him. So I'm just where did you have him? Where did you have him? You got it. Yeah, I think it was like 40s or 50s, wasn't it? It was like 40s or 50s. I this is redraft, folks. Obviously, I have him. <laughs> oh boy, wide receiver 41. Wow. Behind such stud players as Kenny Galladay, Chase Claypool. Um, I don't feel as bad anymore. I did have Debo ahead of him, but I had Debo way too low as well. I bought oh, way I too much into the, the – and I'm the first to admit it. I bought way too much into the, oh, he hasn't played for a year. The stripes yeah. are on the ball. He's dropping yeah. it. In the pre- I, I bought in. I'm not going to do it again. Lesson learned. 27 – and I had him at 27. Dave had him at 28. So still too low on yeah. him. Um, still too low way on too him. Low. But – yeah, I agree with you here, though, Scott. The top-end wide receivers, though, were tricky. It was a lot of guys, Hunter Renfro, Debo, that we weren't expecting to finish up you know, so high there. Justin Jefferson, he's our guy. We hit that one, as always. Um, I mean, I almost put I almost put Calvin Ridley one over Adams. So, I mean, that one, that's a different, yeah, a different really reason why. As a, as a four overall, I think. Yeah, I over-projected I, I over Adams. I over-projected Diggs by a, a, a lot. A Rob obviously pretty badly. DK Metcalf, yeah, I was over projected on. Well, and the two the two I talked about in the Mondays that I faded, and I learned a lesson here too, were Mike Evans and Adam Thielen, and I specifically faded them because I just figured they weren't going to score as many touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is you know, I yeah. with Mike yeah. Evans, I don't necessarily regret that thought because his TD percentage jumped quite a bit from 2019 to 2020. Right. But it shouldn't be the only reason I faded him to the back end of wide receiver two yeah. land. So, but this is all a learning. You know, I'm going to learn a lot from from yeah. this. I mean, I was with Debo though. I was only hold on. As far as total points, I was only 139 points off. Yeah, with Debo. About so about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's just go around the around the room quickly. Best breakout hit. So these aren't sleepers, but these were guys who. We were you were higher personally on than the industry standards. Scott, starting with you, who who is one of your breakout? My ones? one, my one person player to kind of hang my hat on this year was Mark Andrews. 
Um, I mean, I had him at I had him at tight end four in our rankings, so that's not necessarily like a huge swing. Yeah. But I had a bold take of him as high, as as a tight end three, and with this group of tight ends that we had entering this season, making it into that group of three is a pretty big deal, right? George Kittle, Darren Waller, um, and Waller, and and I Kelsey. Kyle Pitts, and then Hawkins yeah, so I had him ahead of Kyle Pitts and all the rest of the guys. I had him at four. Um, I just was really high on him. I thought, you know, I he was another guy I dug into, and I just didn't think like his his big season a few years ago um, seems a little bit. Anomalous seems like a spike, but it really wasn't. It really was a sustainable type of thing. Um, I had to play a little bit of faith that the, that the Ravens would pass more than their than per usual, which they did. Um, I didn't envision him being the tight end one. I mean, no. he just no. he went crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. But was he crazy. was a guy I was propping up that that worked out. Dave, uh, breakout hit for you this year in your rankings. I'd have to say this is where I would file Austin Eckler because mm. apparently he wasn't a household name coming into this season. And, well, he sure is now. Where did you have him? I had him as RB3. Yeah, see, that, yeah. that's that's nice. Yeah. I know that, you know, I, that was That's bold. nice. I think we so. – I had him in RB6, I think, maybe, Scott. Were you that's RB7 on him? Seven. Okay, yeah. So, overall, overall, we did a good job on Eckler. Dave, you were definitely the highest, I remember, on, on Eckler. I mean, I had, him, I had him ahead of, like, Chubb and Barkley. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I was like – yeah. I mean, you, Dave, obviously had him ahead of. But you know, I, I struggled with that. I was like, I looked at it, and I was like, oh, Eckler had a chub. Should I do that? But I'm glad I did because yeah, who's stud? Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, I have a I have a kind of a weird little stat about Eckler. If you take if you take each running back's weekly rank where they finished, and you average those, so you average that number of their weekly rank, Eckler is number one. Ahead of did, Jonathan Taylor. Did you do that? Did yes. you do that? Oh yeah. Can I see that data at some point? Oh yeah. No, I'm. I've got a. I've got a. I've got a little thing cooking with a that's, bunch of that's running great, back. Man. With I'm a bunch of running say. back. With a bunch of running back data. That's awesome. Yeah. That is that is outstanding, Scott. Great, yeah. great work there as always. Um, Are we supposed to say fun. data? Because I said data. <laughs> data. No data. No data. I call it data. Data. It's called data. We'll just I call call it data. Dita. Dita. Yeah, follow Scott on Twitter at Monday. That Dita. Data, whatever you want to call it. Um, for my breakout hits, guys, Brandon Cooks. I had him projected wide receiver 20. He finishes wide receiver 20. Um, very solid wide receiver two. Almost exactly what I thought he would be this season. Davis Mills obviously um, play, played a, a big part of that as well. Um, so I was happy to hit on him. And the other one, I'll honestly hang my hat on, guys. I wasn't as high on him as I should have been, but I was definitely higher than almost everyone in the industry, I feel like, on Leonard Fournette. Yeah. And our draft guy that had an RB19. And I just saw it, man. I saw it. But it was like last postseason. That's what got me. Is I was like, holy hell, like this guy. He was, until he got, hurt, he, gotcha. until yeah. he got hurt. Until he got hurt. He was – he honestly, until he got hurt, was in – the glimpse of a of a running for the RB one overall. Like yeah. he he had it in his range of outcomes yeah. with how many with how many targets and receptions he was getting in that offense. Yeah. He was he was a huge miss for me. A big great call for you, Seth. I I randomly drafted him in some random middle round in a in a in a league and it it propelled my season. Did you think of me when you did it? Well, I'm always thinking of you, so I, it's hard to I judge if I that, yeah. did specifically there or not. 
I think of you whenever I'm anywhere. I think of Seth whenever I'm rooting on when I'm whenever I'm rooting on Cole Komet. That's when I think of Seth. Oh fuck no, goddamn. Hey, that's that's me. That's my guy. Yeah, no, get out of here. Seth Seth has an irrational hate of Cole Komet. No, I will say I I I did go up to Jen at uh we were at the fantasy football expo in draft night out, and I went up to her and I saw it was like the eighth or ninth round, and Leonard Fournette was still on the board. I was like. Jen, you got like one RB, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that I mean it probably worked out. I think it was James Conner and maybe someone else I ended up working out for it. But I was like, you should go after Leonard Fournette right here. And I she went back in and she went and did it. I was like, yeah, oh, that was, yeah Jen. it's a great but, call. And she ended up with Connor and Fournette. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll have no. to verify that. But that's why I can never beat Jen way ever at this. Yeah. Um, Never beat Jen. What about what about your best sleeper hits, guys? Because I felt like I had a book of sleepers coming into this year, and honestly, almost none of them panned out. My like late rounds were pretty atrocious, outside of a couple people. Um, any sleepers that you hit on, Scott? So I don't necessarily have the receipts or like any tweets or articles that I wrote about this particular player, I but I feel like I was at least saying the name and propping up the possibility with Elijah Mitchell. As the, as the draft was coming along. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't necessarily have uh, a, a very concrete outlook on what he would do. Um, I really, I owe it all to, to Ray G, Ray GQ. I was, I listened to him a lot over the off season. He was, he was talking to him up as like a, Hey, keep your eye on this guy in San Francisco, but that's what we do in this industry. We listen to people smarter than us. And then we pass it along and, and we win one out of 15 championships. That's how it works. That's so, Elijah Mitchell yeah, was one. Like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my for the draft guide, I completely whiffed on my sleeper. It was Terrace Marshall Jr. Big, big swing and a miss there. I mean, I don't necessarily it's 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 one of those it's one of those where like I mean you have takes that you have. I mean, it's easy to say I got it wrong. I mean, the results are right there, I got it wrong. But certain takes you got wrong where it's like I should have done this, I should have done that, I should have learned this, or I you know I can learn this from that mistake. Other takes you get wrong. It's just like, I still stand by my take. It just didn't yeah. pan out. Yeah. So right. at the time with Terrace Marshall, like I, I, I don't think it was a bad, I don't think it was a bad take at the time as a sleeper in that offense with Curtis Samuel gone. Um, I didn't envision the Panthers offense being as stagnant as it was all year. I mean, CMC missing most of the season is going to do that. And then the Darnold cam show, but, um, but you know, is what it is. Any sleepers for you, Dave? Yeah, I didn't have a lot of great success with sleepers, but I'm going going more for my like accuracy of where I thought guys would be. And when mm-hmm. I mentioned this next guy, and that's uh, Elijah Moore from the Jets, I ranked him as wide receiver 48. He <laughs> finished as wide receiver 44. Okay, you know he was kind of exactly who I thought he would be, you know, a useful wide receiver for that you were going to be able to plug into your lineups during bye weeks and things like that, you know, and uh, uh, get you through. Somebody you should should have taken a shot at one of your late round picks in your redraft league. And uh, I did in a few of mine. So that, you know, it panned out well. I mean, that was a dependable fantasy player mm-hmm. that I had, but I'm not, he didn't exactly, you know, have the world's greatest season. But yeah. he, he was – he was who I thought he was. In the word, in the immortal words of Dennis Green, he is who I thought he is. <laughs> That's a paraphrase, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. No, I like that one. I like that one, Dave. I'll probably have to go here with 
I was hot on Amon Ross St. Brown. I've kind of, I think all, all of us kind of liked him at different points in our like we were decently high with him in our ranks. I had him as a top 40 wide receiver. I was just like the issue with that is I was projecting him out to be a steady, consistent guy who is catching, you know, five for 40 each week. It, but it didn't pan out that way. You know, he was pretty irrelevant the first half of the season to the point where I drafted him in a lot of leagues. And by week five, he wasn't on my roster anymore because he shouldn't have been. But he ended up being a league winner for a lot of people. So it's like it's one of those like the process was right. But that's something I will remember for last year's like some of these players like I'm just going to project them to have a super slow start or a super hot start. And it's not it's not consistent. I think the other thing that was tough about this being our first year of projections of doing the process was like it was also the first year we jumped to one extra game. I found that pretty yeah, difficult. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, well, I can't necessarily like, do I just yeah a, apply a percentage to a 16 game season? So well, also coming after COVID, the COVID season with no fans too. last year, the numbers were boosted a little bit as well. Um, the, the, the other one I'll say that I wasn't super high on him in our ranks, but I was higher than everyone else. And I was low on his counterpart was Dalton Schultz. I was, I, I had don't or I had Blake Jarwin as um, twenty four in our rankings, tight end twenty four. Uh, Scott, you had him at fifteen. Dave had him at eleven. So you guys kind of thought Blake Jarwin, for good reason, might have been the tight end one here in Dallas. I came the money trail. Yeah, yeah. I I came I came back. I I thought Dalton Schultz would be the guy. I took him in Scott Fishbowl and a lot of other leagues late, and he paid off. He was a big time sneaky guy. That was probably my best sleeper uh, other than I was, you guys know how hot I was on Austin Hooper and that just did not come through. So I'm glad Schultz, you could kind of come. Oh through. my God. I buried Dalton Schultz in the rankings. Where'd you have him Scott? Big mistake. Yeah, he, oh, I don't know. I mean, these are tight ends. I had him in like the forties. Yeah. He, I, I mean, I thought it was going to be, I mean, I was a little bit biased because Blake Jarwin personally wished our, our good friend, Linda Lindellians mm-hmm. personally tweeted out a happy birthday to her. So I was like, all right. I'm a Blake Jarwin fan, yeah. and that probably swayed my decision a little yeah. bit. Um, but, I, I mean, I thought he was going to be the tight end. That's obviously based on my tight end 14 rank for Jarwin and 45 for Schultz. That's what I thought. Yeah. And Schultz in a similar range. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's like whoever you chose to be the tight end one in Dallas, whether you were right or wrong, the tight end two, the other one. it yeah. makes sense that they're way down that list, you know? Yeah. Guys, let's talk about best fades here. Who are the players that you faded the most against consensus that paid off? For me, it was somebody I I feel like I faded him heavily. I took him absolutely nowhere, but I still think I had him too high, is Mike Davis. I was never, ever, ever on any kind of Mike Davis train. I understood the logic behind it, going to Atlanta and what he had done filling in for CMC, but I don't know. I had seen him as a Seahawk, one of the 149 teams he's played for. And I just, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, I just assumed Cordell Patterson would take over as the lead running back for the team. I didn't think that, Mm -hmm. but I just, I wanted nothing to do with Mike Davis. So I feel like that was a, I feel like that was a pretty good fade. Dave. Yeah, I don't know. That's this is a tough category for me because I didn't do that. I didn't fade the right guys <laughs> in a lot of places. But uh, 
I mean, I guess it's Lamar Jackson is probably the biggest okay. one for me because okay. I was nowhere near, you know, where consensus was on Lamar Jackson. I didn't have him down at quarterback 14, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't as high uh, as him on, as high as most others were. I had him on QB, I think QB3. I had Lamar at QB3, and I think, Scott, you were maybe QB4 or 5 on him. Yeah. Yeah, we were. Yeah, I think I was quarter. I think I was QB seven. If I'm not, Injuries definitely played played a role in that too. But I mean, overall, he wouldn't have been a top four no matter what, probably. Um, yeah. So that's a good call. No, I I picked a lot of guys to finish high that didn't do well. So I did the opposite of what mm-hmm. you're talking yeah. about right mm-hmm. now. The anti guys that. Yeah, the anti-fade, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I faded Cooper Cup. Is that, is that, is that is, does that sound smart? Uh, I mean, I faded Cooper Cup in the sense that I had Woods ahead of him. I still had him in the yeah. top fifteen, but like, I don't know. Yeah, Lamar. Like, I had I had, a, I had Lamar at five. I had Lamar at five, and I picked him. Up, I drafted him everywhere. I yeah. really did. Like yeah. that was one thing that kind of hamstrung me this year. Yeah. Well, that's why. I mean, that's kind of why I brought that up about Lamar. Is uh, you know, because he he did have a great start to the season, and obviously, you know, when things were going early. If you 40 Lamar, burger, you were, 40 you burger were earlier. feeling good. Yeah. But then, you know, and, and injuries were obviously a huge factor, but, you know, just disappeared down the stretch. And so if you were a team that was relying on Lamar, you didn't win. In your yeah. Playoffs, All my you know? All he was my Scott Fishman quarterback. Yeah. 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 No, I agree with you there, Dave. I, I would say my, my best fades, I had Saquon Barkley at RB23 in the draft guide. Yeah, that's a good – that's that's wild. I remember seeing that thinking, like, you're crazy. I remember doing that, and I was <laughs> like – I remember literally trying to go back and trying to bump him up, like almost doing what you were saying earlier, like, Scott, like looking at him and be like, I need to bump this guy up. Yeah, like, yeah. artificially I, bringing him up. Yeah. I, I, we, we, after we launched those ones, we went and updated some – we went and updated them. And I, I tried to bump him up, and I think I actually dropped him back down more than I had him. So, yeah, I, I was off Saquon, guys. I just didn't believe in the Giants' offensive line or the Giants as a whole. And I'm a Penn State guy, too, so, like, you know that 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 burns me a little bit to say that. But at the end of the day, I was somehow right on Saquon Barkley. So um, listen to me, I guess, for all your fading Penn State running back. So him and Miles Sanders, huh? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens next year. Um, and I, I'll also say in the draft guide, I had LaVisca Chanel at wide receiver 52. You guys were somewhere, I think, either in the 30s or 20s. I, I can, Way I can, too high. I can pull that up, what we were exactly. Please um, don't. Please LaVisca don't do Chanel, I was 52. Dave, 33. Scott, 32. So, I mean, not terrible. Like, you guys had him as a wide receiver three. I had him as a wide receiver Where did five. Nate have him? I know Nate had him highest. Nate didn't rank. Nate didn't rank. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, then we so, can just make it up. Nate had him as like our wide receiver 12. Yeah. Nate, Nate had him as a wide receiver one overall, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but no, I mean, I just I just didn't buy into the – eventually I raised him when we did our updates. I raised him once Travis Etienne went down a little bit. Um, but I just wasn't buying into it, man. Like I think LaVisca is a good player. I just don't think Trevor Lawrence in year one had what it – took to unlock him and at the end of the day like just urban meyer boys it's Urban. it's meyer. really poorly coached it's really tough to like dj charts a stud too yo dj charts a stud i like dj charts i got player. him stashed i got him I on a dynasty team he gets, i hope he gets out of jacksonville soon bro 
it's really it's really difficult with the Jaguars this year. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and be like, well, but this and that about Chenault. Like he looks like a bust. But it's hard to judge a lot in Jacksonville because I remember one thing Nate definitely got right that he was screaming from the rooftops from the get go was Urban Meyer is yeah. Yeah, he did. He I didn't did. buy it. I was like, okay, he's a bad I coach. Him, yeah, yep. yep but yep, what yep, can yep. I mean? It's the NFL, okay. but it's like I didn't. Yeah, he like brought the ship down yeah. with him. Yeah. Um, and so, and Nate was saying that from the very beginning. Yeah. So, um, so I want to see what happens with some of these Jaguars players once they have a competent coach next year. But man, it was so ugly. assuming they do. Oh, assuming they do, it's not necessarily the hottest ticket in town. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, Chanel, total, total miss. Okay, guys, let's round it out here. Worst overvalues or undervalues that you think you had? I mean, I can just start reading mine off if you want, but but <laughs> I'll read uh, my draft, my rankings to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah uh, just look at my rankings. Dave, <laughs> any terrible overvalues or undervalues? Other than the obvious, the obvious, like everyone overvalued Allen Robinson in this in this we, we know that yeah. uh everyone undervalued probably jamar chase and cooper you know, cup a couple of those Debo, are, yeah are there yeah are there any like yeah subtle... i'm gonna own up i'm gonna own up to one of my biggest fails okay Let's i had it. joe mixon as an rb2 i had him as the 19th overall running back yep yep yep, yep. i look i look foolish because of that call yeah for sure so that was bad i missed big time uh i was basically low on almost all the wide receiver rookies that mattered you know we talked about like i had chase at 28 you know had waddle at 41 or something like that you know low on waddle yeah so low on those guys you know i and and i I mean it felt like it felt like i liked those guys but then when my projections came out i just turned out being yeah lower on them than i thought Uh, i guess that's basically Mm -hmm. what we're you know I mean, I'd say one of my couple of my biggest overhyped, overvalued one. One we've talked about was Lavisca Chenault. Um, I helped my brother with one of his drafts, and he, he was telling me who was on the board. I was like, "Oh, Lavisca's still there. Get him!" Whoops. Oh, jeez. Viscous <laughs> um, season, baby. Viscous season. Probably my biggest like whiff, I would say, as far as just like expecting a lot and getting ultimately nothing at all was Johnny Smith. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I just, I just liked a tweet of, of, of Dave's not too long ago where he said, remember, remember Johnny Smith? Um, Dave just texted me that before the I show. That just, I, I mean, I was, I was, I was in threads with, for whom the, the bell tolls with our good friend, Jeff, who's big on Johnny Smith. We were just talking up Johnny Smith. I thought he could be a top seven, top six tight end. And again, it's like part of it I'm not going to fall on my sword too deep for. I mean, I was following the money. I didn't expect the Patriots to pay Johnny Smith the amount of money they paid for him for to what, like 26 never, like ever that. touch the ball. But I should have known that that's kind of been his MO with Tennessee as well, is you had kept expecting more touches and catches and targets because he's so athletic and so dynamic. But there's after a while, when that's not happening, it's not happening for a reason. I will say, at least, Scott, at least you weren't Nate. Nate's all-in pick was John Roo Smith. Um, <laughs> I think specifically because Jeff got inside his head. Oopsie-daisies. 
Um, I will say I came around to Johnu later in the season, but I was also a little, I think I was higher on Hunter Henry than everyone. I liked Hunter Henry this year. I will fall on my sword for a couple here. Adam Troutman, RIP. I had him like tight end eight. So that, sorry. I mean, uh, he got hurt. Yeah. Like right, right when he got hurt, he right was coming off. Of, he was Austin, coming off a, he was coming off a really good game when he, when he hurt himself. So Austin, yeah, I don't Austin know. Hooper, I fell on that one. I By the way, was, um, Johnny Smith had 39.4 total fantasy points. Um, 16, he played in 16 games, 28 catches, 28 catches for 294 yards and a touchdown. Oh my God. I was about yeah. to, wow. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was, he's got to be one of the biggest busts. Um, yeah. That's yeah, not so, a good stat line. Yeah. I um, projected Adam Troutman's touchdown in the hard bargain. Nice. Oh, you, that's right. You I did. I remember that. That's right. Yeah, that was one of my good calls. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it when that happens. Um, Robbie Anderson. I was very high on yeah. Robbie Anderson. I think a lot of us were. Chase Claypool. Yeah. He was someone I was expecting to break high. out. And Chase Claypool absolutely took a huge step down, in my opinion. Yeah, and I would say for me, too, I got, I got the – I mean, I talked about Elijah Mitchell, but I didn't – outside of Dynasty, I didn't do a lot of drafting of Elijah, Elijah Mitchell. I got the 49ers wrong all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I was Ayuk over Debo. I was Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert. You know, I was Trey Sermon as the guy. Yeah. You know, I'd have to look. Where did I have him ranked? He was another one where yeah. my brother was like, who should I take? I was like, oh, Sermon's still there? <laughs> um, Your brother's never gonna call you like. I know. <laughs> I know. That's why he doesn't follow me on Twitter stuff. I follow him. Well, then he told me he he told me who one of his league mates took, and it was Adam Thielen, and I was like all against Adam Thielen because of the yeah. touchdowns, and I was like, oh, have fun with Adam Thielen this season. <laughs> Just um, not a good showing. Scott, one one that you and I were both really high on in the draft guy was Chase Edmonds. Um, I mean, I had him projected for almost 10 total touchdowns. Like the thought process was there with Chase Edmonds. I was expecting like an Austin Eckler 2019 season, and James Conner was not Melvin Gordon 2019. He was James Conner, the best I've ever seen him in his career. Yeah, that was insane. <laughs> so, James Conner, the touchdown machine. Yeah, it was – um, I, I'll, I'll also follow my sword, man. I was hyping up on other podcasts all season. People be like, oh, who's your sleeper this year? Nelson Aguilar. Oh, man, that one effing mm-hmm. sucks. Nelson Aguilar led the league in yards per reception last year. Did not produce anything this season. And then Cole Beasley, I had him on a ton of rosters. And the worst thing about him is, like, you had him all season. Didn't do jack shit. Just yeah, yeah. I mean, he you know he had a he had a couple good floor games PPR wise, but not not anything not anything to um, the floor wasn't there. Like 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 the year before, he had consistent was scoring nine or ten points a game where you could roll him out. You know, this year it was either he'd have a twenty point game or he'd have like a two point game. So Cole Beasley was very very disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, you, guys, you mentioned you mentioned James Conner. I, I should throw him in as another guy I faded that yeah. I got wrong. And I think I I, oh, I yeah. RB thirty six. Yeah, I paid the price because I swear I swear throughout the playoffs with my fantasy teams that were in the playoffs, every week one of my teams got knocked out by Conner mm-hmm. every single week. Like 
Like clockwork. I had no Connor. I had no Connor anywhere. Oh, I had no Connor. I tried trading for him. Incoming trade for him and just hit accept because it was interesting at the time. And then he started scoring all those touchdowns, and I was just like, oh my God, this has turned out really great. Do you remember the trade, Dave? Oh my gosh. I can, uh, no, I can look it up. When when was it? Uh, You guys keep talking. I'll find out that information. All right. Well, we are going to get ready to to roll out of here. Final thoughts for me on this draft guide, on these rankings that we did earlier in the season is I absolutely enjoyed it. It challenged me as a fantasy analyst. It challenged me as a content provider, and I was happy to do it. I think, guys, I think it's safe to say we're going to we're gonna take it on again this year. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, this year I think we're going to get started a lot earlier. We can start kind of putting the pieces together of it here after free agency. The draft can kind of, you know, really be where we we, we start locking in on it. But I, I'm absolutely well, I'm, happy to do it. I'm going to – I mean, I started this as soon as we finished last spring or late summer. But I'm going to revamp our, our document. Yep. To yep. where it just there's going to be a lot more information. Like as you start putting things in, it's going to kick out a lot of other peripheral information Perfect. to kind of just see where you're at. So that's in the works. Perfect. Nice. Hey, well, I found that trade for you. So let me get it to you before we go. Now, keep in mind, this was in a redraft league. And it was on November 4th, right after Derek Gore had that game where he looked okay. like somebody. Oh, no. And I had just I had just picked him up before that. Oh, no. So I traded away Derek Gore and Justin Jefferson to receive Robert Woods and James Conner. That would have been a really good trade if, if it would have been a really good trade if Robert Woods didn't yeah. go down like yeah. almost immediately after Jay Jet, bro. I can never trade Jay Jet. Uh, That's one of my uh, well, I was otherwise pretty good at wide receivers, so I felt Jay like Jet. and I need I, mean, I think probably Probably as the crow flies, if you compared the fantasy points from those two options, I'm sure I think you probably came out on top of what Connor did. Oh yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. it worked out favorable, but that team. I was I was really waiting for you. Issues. I was really waiting for you to say Derek Gore and some other scrub. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah, you just totally cashed in on this random yeah. Derek Gore game. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, but you know, this was the trade he offered me too. No, yeah, so yeah. Well, it's it was not something that I put out there, but I was like, yeah, I'm going to take that. You know, I mean, Chase Edmonds didn't get hurt till week ten, so like Connor didn't like really start to take off, like where you knew it was yeah. for real until later in the season. And yes. Edmund, Edmonds wasn't Edmund. What he wasn't he wasn't Eckler. He wasn't bad. Um, no. I, I had, I, you know, I think I, like we, I had him. We had him ranked in the twenties, and I think if he plays a full season, he finishes in the twenties. I was a little higher. I think I was like RB sixteen or something. I had, okay. I, I had him up, but yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and at the same time, like the running joke before Jacoby Myers not scoring touchdowns was Chase Edmonds. Yeah. So there was a little bit of negative touchdown regression that was happening too. Yeah. Right. Overall, though, guys, an absolute blast doing these rankings. Thanks to yeah. anyone who bought the draft guide. Anyone who's didn't only only buy the draft guide, but is tuned in all season long. We got a couple more postseason shows coming out at your way before we take a little bit of a quick offseason break, and we're right back at it for season four of the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Four, baby. That's four. crazy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is episode 37. We'll be back in just a week from now with episode 38. Dave, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, man. It was it was fun to pod with you, Dave. Hey, I had a great time, you guys. Thanks for having me join. Absolutely. 
You can follow Dave on Twitter at Dave Fantasy. You can find Scott at Munder Difflin FF. I'm at Between underscore Seth FF. The show, the site, everything we have going on over there in between media. We're at IBT underscore media. Thanks to everyone tuning in. Enjoy the divisional round. Hopefully some more interesting games for you. And we'll be back next week. Until then, guys, keep it in between. The in-between fantasy football podcast. So one thing that you know really sets us apart here is, is we're not afraid to talk about other things that maybe aren't super fantasy related. Do what you can to become a better person, to become a better human.